Birth in Ice Valley is returning. We've been trying to find answers to an unsolved mystery. And now we're back with an update on the case. We'll be here to tell you more about it at the end of this podcast. Why blue? Because it was his profile picture on WhatsApp and Instagram when he was killed. We changed our display pictures just to remember him. We never thought it would create a hashtag or that it would become a global phenomenon. None of this even crossed our minds. But that's Matar, and that's what he was capable of. The two people you heard are paying tribute to a Sudanese man called Mohamed Mata. Earlier this month, the 26-year-old activist was shot and killed by a militia in Sudan. The music you're hearing in the background is also dedicated to him. People close to Mohammed tell me it was written to memorialize him and others that died that day. Mohamed Matar was one of more than 100 peaceful protesters, killed on the 3rd of June during a pro-democracy sit-in in the Sudanese capital, Khartoum. Blue was his favourite colour, and at the time of his death, the avatar on his social media pages displayed a deep shade of blue, similar to the colour of the ocean. In fact, someone close to Mohammed told us he had changed his avatar to blue just minutes before he was shot dead. After he died, some of Mohammed's friends and family changed their avatars to the same colour that he used. And within days, a worldwide movement had started. Hashtag blue for Sudan. His death sparked a global outcry and put a spotlight on the unrest that is devastating the country. Hashtag blue for Sudan and Mohammed's blue avatar quickly went viral, with people from across the globe tweeting it and changing their own social media avatars to blue. But some of the Sudan activist accounts on social media are not what they seem. Among the authentic outpouring of support, scammers are exploiting the Sudanese crisis online. This is BBC Trending, the podcast that takes an investigative look at the world of social media. I'm Jonathan Griffin. And I'm Raha Kansara. To trace the story of Blue for Sudan, we wanted to start by speaking to someone who knew Mohammed before he was killed. Hello, everyone. My name is Shahd, and I'm here to talk to you about the Sudan Revolution. There is still currently... Shahid Kader is a Sudanese beauty blogger from New York. What you're hearing is part of a video she posted onto her Instagram page after Mohammed's death. She met him in Sudan some years ago at a networking event. After she went back to New York, they kept in touch via social media. To share, to comment, to talk, to spread awareness about what's going on in Sudan. It's messages like this, coming from the Sudanese diaspora, that helped to spread word of the crisis in Sudan. It started with his closest friends and his brother changing their avatar to his default picture, which was that blue avatar photo. And as they did it, they had influence, so they influenced their followers to do it, and I did the same, and my followers did it, and that's how it went about. She told us she heard about his death two days after it happened, via social media. I found out through social media, through his brother's Instagram, and I was completely devastated. Like, I was literally just, like, bawling my eyes, crying. This one hit so close to home because I knew this person, and it just, like, 
really affected me and the way his brother was talking about him and posting about him really just like hurt me so much that I just ended up crying at my desk at work. Her following as an influencer certainly helped to amp up the Blue for Sudan movement. When she first heard of Mohammed's death, she was devastated and took a photo, sent it to her sister and then uploaded it onto social media. It was a selfie of her crying with her head leaning on her left hand with a tissue gripped into it. In the post, she wrote about the internet blackout in Sudan, the death of Mohammed Matar, and what some have called the lack of worldwide media attention on Sudan. A lot of people have actually contacted me and said, you know, if it wasn't for your post, I would have never known what's going on in Sudan. And a lot of them from different countries, too. So like a lot of people from predominantly the U.S. contacted me. And then a lot of people from Eastern European countries. A lot of them said, I don't speak English. It's not my first language, but I just want you to know that, you know, I learned a lot from your post. How can I donate? How can I help? The Sudanese diaspora spread the Blue for Sudan message. Soon celebrities and influencers and people with no connection to the country at all were using the hashtag. So Mohammed's death was clearly a turning point, at least when it comes to awareness on social media outside the country. But what was he fighting for? Sounds OK. Um, just keep going. A bit OK, longer. one, two, three, four, five, yeah. six. Seven. I spoke to Mohamed Hashim, a Sudanese journalist at the BBC. He arrived back to London just this week from Sudan, where he's been following the crisis closely. It's sunny, so we sat outside the BBC offices as he told me about his many reporting trips to Sudan since the political unrest began. In December, school students took to the streets to protest the rising cost of their school meals. Uh, There was a hike in the bread prices. And in and around the 19th of December 2018, that's when all of this started, The process of ongoing protests continued. It soon became a protest against uh, Omar al-Bashir's rule and his regime. By April the 6th this year, they reached a critical mass that moved into the army headquarters and established uh, a sit-in in the campus of the army headquarters, demanding a civilian administration. Omar al-Bashir came to power in a military coup in 1989 and was removed from power in April this year. Immediately after al-Bashir was overthrown, he was replaced by a military council. At first, civilians celebrated. They believed that the military would help transition the country into a democracy with a civilian-led government. But talks stalled and the military started to discredit the opposition. Protests and sit-ins became regular. Eventually, the military tried to end a civilian-led sit-in, and in the process, Mohammed Mata was killed. I just came back from Khartoum two days ago, and the feeling there that there is a strong sense of betrayal, that there was a trust by the civilians in the army, that the army will protect them no matter what, and that the army will never use force to disperse the site is making people even more adamant that they must try and make a stand for what they demand, which is a civilian government and a civilian administration. Mohanad told me that it was specifically word of mouth over WhatsApp that played a major role in the mobilisation of the sit-in that Mohammed was present at. But since Mohammed and those hundred other activists were killed, the authorities have clamped down. And WhatsApp became the means by which people were communicating, coordinating a lot of effort. But then since the 3rd of June, there hasn't been any internet. So accessibility to social media sites and apps is at the moment zero. 
And when you compare and contrast, part of the success of that initial phase of, of this uprising was because this was a generation that was uh, very tech savvy, knew how to use, I mean, most of the calls for the demonstrations or what came to be known as the weekly timetable of the Sudanese Professionals Association would have been issued on Twitter, on Facebook, and then it would have been circulated. And of course, the internet became a tool for solidarity and for getting news for the Sudanese in the diaspora from the four corners of the earth, whether it's in the States or Australia or in the Gulf, people started developing hashtags and sharing them. And it became a, a means for us journalists also to follow developments and events on the ground. I just want to emphasise, Mohanid says the internet has been shut down in Sudan. At the time of recording, no one has been able to access it for three weeks. So the social media activism that we're seeing is coming from outside of Sudan. So we know that the crisis in Sudan has been ongoing for some time now. Political unrest was brewing and erupted quite dramatically when Omar al-Bashir was ousted. Now, here on the BBC World Service, you've been hearing news of events in the country. For instance, here on Trending, we covered the fake Facebook confessions staged by the former regime and how a backlash against them fuelled the protests. But after Mohamed Mata was shot dead, there was a new and increased level of attention online. The outpouring of support following the initial hashtag Blue for Sudan posts was huge. Celebrities like Rihanna, Bella Hadid and Naomi Campbell changed their avatar to Mohamed Matar's Blue. And the trend went global. At one point, if I scrolled through my followers on Instagram, almost half of them would have had a blue avatar. So awareness was clearly being raised. But what's next? A lot of what we see following on from the Blue Avatar and the Blue for Sudan hashtag is centred around donations for Sudan or petitions that call for pressure on the UN or governments affiliated with the country to intervene. But mostly, they're highlighting calls for aid. The need for outside aid predates the recent conflict in Sudan and it's been around for decades. Lack of healthcare, famine and malnutrition are all problems that have dominated much of Sudan's recent history. But since the crisis, charities working in the country have faced additional challenges. Joe English is a spokesperson for UNICEF, a children's charity. In terms of the specific demonstrations at the moment, we're also there providing psychosocial support to children who may have been caught up in, in the protest because you can imagine experiencing the unrest and then experiencing the violence would be incredibly traumatic for children. So we're there providing safe spaces for them. We're there providing psychosocial support, not only to them, but also to their parents and their caregivers. And that's on top of all the work that charities were doing in the country before the current unrest. It is vitally important that UNICEF and organisations like UNICEF are able to continue their work, you know, able to continue providing children with vaccines, providing children with the opportunity to go to school, providing children with critical health services and nutrition services that will mean the difference between life and death. So there have been calls for more aid. But along with all the awareness around Blue for Sudan, there has come a problem. One journalist who has been looking into the Blue for Sudan campaign is Taylor Lorenz from the American magazine The Atlantic. The Blue profile thing is amazing and has done a lot to raise awareness. I mean, the whole point of that was to kind of memorialize this one 
man who was essentially gunned down in the street. So, you know, I think it's an amazing effort. Unfortunately, scammers also try to capitalize on tragedy. Coming up, we'll look at how scammers have tried to exploit the crisis for their own financial benefit. And we'll meet the teenage boy taking them on. Now, in the last couple of weeks, Instagram accounts with names such as Sudan Meal Project, Sudan Meal Project Official, Sudan Meal Official and others have amassed tens or even hundreds of thousands of likes and achieved millions of post likes. These accounts had a lot in common. Each of them had the blue profile picture we mentioned earlier. And in their profile bios, they claimed they were committed to donating up to 100,000 meals to Sudanese civilians. Some of those accounts even claim they could provide shelter for Sudanese children. The accounts didn't upload a lot. In fact, most of them put up just one picture, a post that said, for every person who shares and follows this on their story, we will provide one meal to starving Sudanese children. But there were big question marks about the credibility of the claims that those accounts were making. Could they provide any food for Sudanese children? Who was funding it? How would they distribute it? When asked by journalists to substantiate their claims, several accounts failed to provide any proof. Why would someone create an account promising to feed Sudanese children if they have no intention of following it through? One potential reason is that they want to sympathy scam or feed off the feeling of public goodwill. They know that there are people keen to look as though they are helping, who are willing to share their posts across Instagram, reaching hundreds of thousands of fresh eyeballs. This, in turn, generates new followers. And on social media, followers are a currency, which can be monetized with marketing and adverts. One of the first people to rumble the fake Sudan Meal accounts was this person. I'm Nico, I'm 14, and I'm currently in summer break. So while school's out, Nico, a 14-year-old boy working from his desk in the hallway of his California home, has founded an Instagram account. It's called Exposing Insta Scams, and it shines a light on Instagram accounts that he says are making dodgy, bogus and less than genuine claims. Well, basically, uh, what I do is I find other accounts that are trying to scam people for followers and likes, and I investigate into them, and then I post them onto my account showing why they're fake or maybe why they're real. So how does Nico know whether an account is fake or real? Well, there's a lot of signs. For example, one of them is if the page has a random name like Sudan Meal Project and it doesn't have an actual name of an organization or business, that immediately puts up a red flag because it shows that they aren't anyone, it's just a page. And then I also check their email address, if it's a Gmail or an Outlook or something that doesn't have a domain that also puts up some red flags. And then I look into um, their post and see if they claim to be partnered with anyone. And I contact the people they claim to be partnered with, asking if they are actually partnered with them. Now, it's not just the Sudan crisis that Nico flags up. He's used his account to report people promoting all sorts of fake things on Instagram. From share this on your story to clean our ocean, to repost this on your story to save one elephant. But a couple of weeks ago, it was a huge wave of fake Sudan meal project accounts that caught his attention. There's a lot of them now, but the first one was called Sudan Meal Project. And they were saying, share this post and for every story reshare, we will provide a meal to a Sudanese child in need. And they got millions and millions of likes and probably many more millions of shares. 
And it was very obvious that they wouldn't be able to provide any meals. And so I posted them on my account. And that's when hundreds, if not even thousands of more accounts came up with the exact same post on it. And a lot of people started buying into it. So it's kind of hard to keep track of them now. But we're getting a few of them shut down. Nico and Taylor Lorenz, the journalist from The Atlantic, who we heard from earlier, reported many of the accounts to Instagram, who reacted by disabling some of the biggest ones. Taylor's story blew the lid off the scandal, and she says it's crucial that the scam profiles continue to be exposed. It helps by holding people accountable. These are people that are scamming and, and trying to take money and attention away from other legitimate aid organizations that are doing work in the country in a very unstable time. By the way, these accounts, if you read the captions, also were promoting gross misinformation about Sudan. These people are spreading misinformation. They're confusing the country of North and South Sudan, which are two totally separate independent countries. They're spreading false statistics about Sudan. They're promoting misinformation about what's happening in those countries, which is crazy. I mean, I don't know how is that not worth calling out in a journalistic fashion. I mean, that's incredibly important. Since the original Sudan meal accounts that we mentioned earlier were taken down, new ones have sprouted up in their place, often with fewer followers. Many offered to donate up to 100,000 meals to Sudanese civilians in exchange for post shares. Some have even started linking to their own donation sites. Again, there is no proof that any money raised will reach Sudanese people. Once these accounts build up a few followers, many of them change their handles. For example, one, initially pledging to provide meals to Sudanese children with the name Sudan Meal Heroes, is no longer looking to feed the malnourished. Instead, it's offering to sell accounts for the popular video game Fortnite, starting at $50. Another has rebranded itself as a home for extreme memes, which it says may include... Fights, nudity, weird and sketchy clips, and extreme violence. In other words, scammers are using the account names of anything popular to attract followers, even the volatile situation in Sudan. Then, when they've juiced as many likes as they can out of it, they're on to the next topical name. Now, we contacted the owners of both of the accounts Raha mentioned for comment. Neither of them got back to us. In fact, we tried to contact dozens of what appeared to be scam and bogus accounts, and none of them responded. But Nico, the teenager in California, says that some of the Sudan meal accounts that have changed their names have been in touch with him. After I exposed them for being fake, all of their followers noticed, and so they contacted me saying, hey, we're real, do you want to give us a shout-out? We'll donate like $1,000 dollars. And it was already too late because I had already exposed them. And other ones are just begging me to say that they're real. They admit to being fake, but then they say they'd pay me if I say they were real. And how much money are they offering you? I never got into an actual number. I immediately reject the request because I know it's not the right thing to do. But they would probably offer hundreds of dollars because they can definitely make thousands of dollars off of these accounts. I'm just trying to think back to what I was like as a 14-year-old. And if somebody was offering me big money, even if I knew something was wrong, there might be a temptation there. But for you, it seems that there is no temptation. Well, yeah, I know that if I actually accept this offer, that makes me a scammer myself. And that's the exact opposite of what I'm going for. Nico is turning away hundreds of dollars at a time in order to protect people from being scammed. 
But I think it's reasonable to think that the last line of defence shouldn't be a 14-year-old on his summer holidays protecting the public. So what are Instagram doing about fake accounts on their own platform? Well, when asked about the Sudan Meal Project account, they told us... We have removed this account from Instagram. This is an issue we are aware of, and we are continuing to look into this matter to disable further accounts that are in violation of our policies. Instagram says it urges users to report suspicious accounts, that it has sophisticated spam detection and blocking systems, and that it blocks millions of fake accounts every day. So how big is the problem? BBC Trending has come across dozens of fake Sudan scam accounts, and Nico estimates the number is even higher than that. At the time of recording, at least 30 accounts called Sudan Meal, or some variation of that phrase, are still active. There's no doubt that the blue profile picture campaign has really struck a chord with some people and put them onto the current crisis in Sudan. But unfortunately, some of those people now appear to be the most at risk of exploitation from fake Instagram accounts and potentially hooky donation websites. Just remember, if you want to give money to Sudan or any other cause, use a legitimate charity and check them out online. If you see a social media account encouraging you to like or follow for a donation, be aware, it's probably bogus. I asked Joe English of UNICEF, what he would say to the people behind the Sudan scam accounts. I honestly think that it's hugely disrespectful to the people of Sudan. I think it's hugely disrespectful to to humanitarians, not only in Sudan, but also around the world, who put their lives on the line at times to save children's lives, to try and make the situation better. And I think it's a sad reflection on where we are as a human population at the moment. That's it for this edition of the BBC Trending Podcast. I'm Jonathan Griffin. And I'm Raha Kansara. Thanks to our production coordinator, Sarah Jackson, and our editor, Mike Wendling. Now you can use any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook or Instagram, to get in touch. Or if you want to message Trending with your thoughts on this or any of our other programmes or podcasts, then you can email me. It's jonathan.griffin at bbc.co.uk. And there's just time to tell you about another podcast we've been listening to. Death in Ice Valley is back. Fake passports, the wigs, the unprescripted glasses. There are somebody living who knows more about this case. I'm Marit Igroff. And I'm Neil McCarthy. And we've been trying to find answers to an unsolved mystery. Why all this secrecy? It was like a cover-up. Now, one year on, we're back with an update on the case. Yes, with new leads to follow from you, our listeners. This is maybe the first lead of evidence we have in almost 48 years. More on the original investigation. They were being told, don't work it anymore, or don't go into that. And maybe even a brand new eyewitness. I feel I met this lady. That's a special episode of Death in Ice Valley, recorded live in Bergen in Norway from the BBC World Service and NRK. Catch up with the whole series now and you'll also find our new episode. Just search for Death in Ice Valley wherever you get your podcasts.